Lacrosse Talk on WYZM is brought to you by 360 Clean. Cleaning for health, not your traditional cleaning service. Dr. William Kessler has spent his career working at the, the intersection of clinical care and population health. Wow, there's an intersection for you. So uh, IBM Public Health experts uh, joining us this morning to talk a little about the role of technology in combating loneliness, supporting good mental health, which is so important these days or you know we we laugh about it kind of smirk about it going crazy uh, while you're locked down Uh, dr william kessler good morning thanks very much for talking with us uh do you have people around you to keep you from going crazy i'm uh i'm locked up with my uh wife and my college age senior who was on a break and uh, told don't come back wow well it's a little different when your college age senior he doesn't have the opportunity or she doesn't have the opportunity to go play with friends. Uh, but if you're locked down with a, you know, a six-year-old, a seven-year-old, somebody who's used to playing with friends, that's a whole different uh, category of, of uh, normalness, isn't it? And then add to that the stress of having to do remote work. Um, uh, it's, it's hugely stressful. And uh, in some cases, remote schoolwork. When was the last time you looked at what new math is all about? <laughs> right. So I'm going to become a teacher, a remote worker, and a parent all at the same time, yes. multitasking and juggling and trying to look professional. Isolation. Dur- oh, par- wait a minute. Pardon me? You're trying to look professional? We're on the radio, <laughs> doctor. You can be in jammy pants and nobody would know. There you go. Uh, how is isolation during this uh, pandemic impacting mental health. Loneliness is a huge problem. So it turns out that we were just discovering before the pandemic uh, that loneliness in and of itself and social isolation causes mortality at the same level as if you were to have 15 cigarettes a day. So that's just like obesity or lack of physical activity. Uh, And then add to that um, that people, such as the elderly, um, uh, tend to be lonely anyway. We, we add the pandemic to that. We add the social distancing uh, that comes uh, with that. And um, folks who have normal anxiety and loneliness get worse, and those who don't uh, begin to get these challenges. All right, so now we have to try and keep that from happening. Uh, your mom or your dad or well, if they're together, they have each other to drive crazy. But, uh, you know, those individuals who are locked down alone have uh, maybe less to do unless they have access to some technology. How can that technology play a helping hand in keeping the elderly uh, from you know, going stir crazy? Sure. So first of all, tech is never a substitute for good quality face-to-face interaction. But technology can help. It can help um, by adding more to a phone call or radio than simply a voice, but gestures, facial expressions, and nonverbals. But there are apps. Um, there are platforms which can match um, elders to uh, social, uh, virtual social events to help them volunteer and, um, and to coordinate care so that folks who are isolated uh, can have the services to stay safe at home. I understand uh... How you would uh, how technology can help with loneliness and mental health, but uh, I, I read that technology helps individuals manage uh, and protect mental health. How do you manage your mental health? 
So self-care is a huge part of that. Um, relaxation response, um, taking care of yourself and doing things that are normal, fun activities to retain a little bit of normality. Um, there are apps that can help you uh, to do hobbies. There are apps that can help you practice like a mind gym, um, practice some relaxation and, and reduce the stress. Uh, practicing relaxation. I guess I'm just one of those people who, I mean, I, if I worked at it, I could fall asleep standing right here. I, I can relax myself right into a, into a nice long nap. Is that difficult for other people? How'd you sleep? Not very well. I, I'm a type A, maybe even a type A plus. And so I'm always fidgeting. I'm, I, I'm not necessarily super anxious, but I, uh, I, I, I am a little bit. So as a result, I, I need to take time uh, to take uh, some deep breaths. Um, I, I haven't really been one for meditation, but um, other folks say meditation is fine, but mindfulness, relaxation, physical activity, um, these are all self-care types of things um, that, that can help uh, someone who is anxious. And, and technology um, can facilitate that. How? How, do, how does technology help you, I don't know, turn your brain off, so to speak, so that you can get some sleep, for instance, or get some relaxation? I thought screens, technology, uh, were a bad thing, and that's not something you should do right before you try to go to bed, go to sleep. So um, everything is neither bad nor good. It's just how you use it. And technology can take control of your life. And if you're there flipping through Facebook or bad news in your bed right before you go to bed, um, that, that, that can be problematic. But there are apps um, such as IBM's Mind Gym um, that can help people through guided relaxation um, or uh, mindfulness. And as part of a daily routine uh, that doesn't take over your day, that can be incredibly helpful to um, uh, you know, to address some of the anxiety and self-care issues that we all need. How can listeners get more information, Doctor? It sounds like IBM's Mind uh, 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 program is going to help us <sighs> relax. Newsroom.ibm.com forward slash COVID-19. Awesome. I appreciate I forgot to tell you that I have to hang up on you because I don't have a producer, so there's nobody here to be polite. Thank you very much, Dr. Kessler. I appreciate uh, you this morning talking with us a little about the importance of taking a deep breath and relaxing and uh, using technology for good. It, it is out there, after all. Lacrosse's official forecast calling for clouds. No rain for a little while. No, uh, clouds, just clouds today and tonight. 54 and 41. 50-50 chance of rain tomorrow. Otherwise cloudy and 52. Saturday, slight chance of rain and 60. Sunday, mostly sunny and 62. And then back to the seesaw roller coaster Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Right now, downtown, it's 41. Lacrosse Talk on WIZM. I'm... Uh, I do think that there's some elements that uh, of the major, of the political party that... Uh, Lacrosse uh, Talk on WIZM with Dr. Joe Heim, finding a running mate for uh, Joe Biden. You mentioned earlier that it is important... Well, he's already said, I will, I will uh, nominate uh, or hire a woman to be my vice president. Younger is important because he's uh, older... And, uh, you know, they won't say this publicly, of course, but 
able to take over in case our older president has health issues uh, during his uh, his four year term. Uh, I got to believe that Democrats will be concerned. What direction will the vice president want to take the country if the president is unable to serve? Yeah, you'd want somebody that, uh, I, I guess, if you believe in government, you want somebody that could step into the presidency. Well, frankly, you know, I was kind of looking in the past uh, some of these choices. Uh, do you remember who went, ran with uh, Hillary Clinton? Tim Kaine from Virginia. I'm not sure what that did exactly. Uh, one of the criteria, by the way, is do no harm. Don't pick somebody that's going to antagonize somebody or some group of people. Uh, I don't think that was a great choice. Sarah Palin uh, for John McCain. I think most people see that. Initially, it looked like a great choice, and then later it uh, did not, frankly. Uh, Paul Ryan from, from Wisconsin was VP with uh, Romney, if I remember right. I thought that was a neutral choice, fairly good, fairly competent person. Mike Pence, I think, was selected because of his ideology. There was concern that Trump was not conservative enough, and I think uh, Mike Pence was a, a good choice to show that he's a, you know, he wanted some conservative in there. By the way, one... Uh, let me throw this out, Mike. Uh, we're all, you know, we could. I throw out a bunch of names. That would be kind of fun. But uh, <laughs> President Trump, don't don't discount the fact that he might make a switch uh, to kind of refresh his presidency or kind of come up with a new look. You know, if the if the Democrats pick a woman, Trump might very well uh, make a change here. You know, he's been known to do a lot of turnover in his administration. Heck, he he so, does turnover on a day to day basis in some cases. Yeah, so, it's, uh, so I, I, I'm going to throw in Nikki Haley as a, uh, if he's interested in doing that. She would be a very logical choice for him. She's experienced. Uh, she uh, has run a state at one time, if I remember right, South Carolina. Uh, so, you know, that's, and Liz Cheney, I think, would be a, an option. If he's going for a state, uh, maybe uh, Rick, Rick DeSantis from, uh, from Florida. So there's, uh, don't discount that as an option change, too. You know, it uh, not, not, would not be unheard of, frankly. Political speculation. Don't you just oh, yeah. love it? Love it. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Joe Heim, thank you very much for talking with us on Lacrosse Talk this morning. Lacrosse Talk on WYZM is brought to you by 360 Clean, a more health-focused cleaning service. On Lacrosse Talk on WYZM, our guest this morning is president and CEO of Job Creators Network. We've spoken with Alfredo Ortiz in the past, and I am thrilled to have him back. Alfredo, good morning. Thanks for talking with us. How are you? You and... Uh, Everybody around you safe and healthy? Yes, Mike, thank you so much. Uh, everything great, and hopefully the same for you and all of your listeners out in Wisconsin. Well, it's diff- It's weird. You know, we're, uh, we're, we're uh, dealing with this by uh, staying out of businesses and, and staying home and, and uh, not having a normal life. Uh, and speaking of not having normal, you just got new numbers with regard to unemployment that uh, uh, may ring loud and clear to people here in Wisconsin. Yeah, that's right. So these just came out uh, less than, uh, in fact, less than an hour ago, another 4.2 million uh, roughly uh, uh, folks filing for unemployment, 4.4 million actually, uh, my mistake. So we're up to just over 26 million Americans who have lost their job in just a matter of five weeks. So that's averaging about 31,000 jobs lost per hour. Um, We just put out a statement on this, Mike, and we said, you know, it's, we have no choice. We have to start opening our society up uh, responsibly, but we have to start doing it. Um, I start looking at, uh, just out of curiosity, how many uh, deaths there are to suicide, for example, related to unemployment. People just get laid off and lose their jobs per year. Mike, that number is about 45,000 people per year on an average year. 
which is just mind-boggling. Now imagine when we have 26, 28, 30 million potentially by the end of next week. I mean, what are those numbers going to look like? We have to start opening our society up. We just don't have a choice, and I think that's something that President Trump understands, and we're seeing governors across the country understand that. Unfortunately, it seems it's turned into kind of like a blue state, red state thing, uh, which is so unfortunate because we're talking about people's lives here and their livelihoods. Well, and it's interesting to me that there will be states, Wisconsin is currently one of them, who uh, is uh, waiting, they're playing a wait-and-see game, but there are Petri dishes uh, in this country, one's named Texas. There's another Petri dish uh, they, uh, people refer to as Georgia. Uh, and in the next two, 10 days, two weeks, won't we be able to see whether their flip the switch, not turn the rheostat, uh, is working and that this pandemic isn't as dangerous as, uh, as some would have us believe? And if it works for them, will it work for everybody? Yeah, that's right. And, 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 and that's the thing, right? I mean, if we do look at where, for example, New York, um, and again, as you start really understanding these stats, Mike, and, and, and unfortunately the, 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 the overall press doesn't help you with this, but, you know, one-third of the cases are in New York City right. of our entire cases in, in the United States. Uh, and then when you start looking at, at the mortality rates, because, you know, look, uh, 33 million people uh, roughly catch the, catch the flu every year. There are about 40-some-odd thousand deaths related to but 33 million people catch the flu every year. And it seems like some people are out there saying, we need to wait till the COVID cases are at zero before we can open up, which I sit there and I go, why did they say that about the flu? Yeah. <laughs> right? I mean, uh, we, 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 that's just an impossibility. We, we can't get that number down to zero. It will never happen. No, and in there's... the meantime, if we try to wait for that to happen, we will have no society left. We will have no economy left. We will have no country left. Well, and, and here's the, the rub, though, and, and uh, either flip the switch or but when you ask, and so I'll ask you the same thing, you want to reopen the economy, but safely, th- th- what's, uh, what is that? What does that mean, reopening safely? In your opinion, how do we get people back to work safely? Yeah, well... Yeah, Mike, I think what we need to do is, and this is where I ask all of the, the, the kind of uh, what I call industry captains and, and, and heads of industry, uh, one by one, industry by industry, they need to come up with their own protocols, I believe, not government. I don't think we need government to enter every single aspect of every single element of our lives, including our businesses and our homes, uh, where we, you know, our re- religious uh, uh, you know, places of worship, et cetera. Um, you know, to tell us and dictate, you know, what needs to happen. I think industries have to come up with the protocols. Let's find a, a, a solid third-party uh, source that can sign off on these. It doesn't have to be CDC or that bureaucracy will take years for that to happen. Um, but, you know, you get, uh, uh, you know, like a, the good housekeeping seal of approval, the underwriter's laboratory, right, independent uh, 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 third-party organizations that can sign off on these protocols that says to the consumers uh, and, and to the employees that it's a safe place to work and it's a safe place to frequent uh, as a guest, as, as a restaurant uh, visitor, uh, right, as a cinema goer, for example. I mean, all these are things that I think the industry is responsible for doing, and we need to get that done ASAP. Um, and once we get that, we need to help people understand that it is safe to come back out of your homes and it is safe to kind of, you know, go back to somewhat of a level of normality that we had before, understanding, Mike, that we will have a new normal. Uh, I don't know about you, but I, when I go to my grocery store, there's plexiglass now between me and the cashier. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
I have to me say, too. that just doesn't feel normal to me, but it's going to have to be because I think that's going to be kind of the new norm. <laughs> well, and, and you know, reopening, I, I kind of think of it as uh, the economy being the hibernating bear. Somebody says, let's reopen, and the bear pokes his nose out, then his face out, then comes out because as soon as you're able to go to your favorite wherever that's been closed, I understand you want to get your hair cut, but how many, you know, restaurants are not going to be filled to capacity the day after uh, the doors are unlocked, are they? Do you think that's everybody right. that's no. at home is going to want to get out ASAP? Many of those people don't have a job, so they're not going right. out for dinner. They, they can barely feed themselves with free food. Yeah, yeah, that's right, Mike. It, it, it's going to take a while. That's what I'm saying. I, I, I'm concerned. You know, we, we can't. I'm not quite sure what people are waiting for. You know, so in Georgia, uh, as you probably uh, have heard, the governor decided uh, basically he's opening up things already as of this Friday, right? Um, ahead of even the May first, and he's getting a lot of flack for it, right? And I, I'm actually getting notices, uh, you know, from restaurants that I, you know, I'm just email lists and stuff like that from sure. there. Sure. That are saying, while the governor has decided to open up, we have decided it's not safe, and we're going to wait until we believe it is. And I'm, I, I responded to some of these and go, and what is your decision criteria going to be for that? Right. Like, is, is it zero COVID cases? Because then you might as well permanently close up your, your doors now, because that's never going to happen. We're never going to have zero cases. Just the same way we'll never have zero flu cases in this country, or zero cold cases, which might, by the way, I have to remind everybody, the common cold is a coronavirus. <laughs> sure, absolutely. Well, but, but you know as well as I do, uh, Alfredo, my doctor is way smarter than your doctor, and my doctor says it's safe to reopen. But if your doctor uh, is also consulting the governor, and he or she says, eh, I'd wait for a little while, they're going to take that expert uh, advice and wait a little while. Now we have that argument over who's the smartest uh, advice giver, the one that says open the doors, or the one that says wait for a little while? Well, and, and Mike, you know, my, my concern, too, is a lot of this is also driven by people's fears of being sued, right? Oh, the sure. doctor or the small business owner is fearful that if they open up, quote-unquote, too early, and somebody catches a COVID case and somehow they try to tie it to them, that they're going to be sued. Um, you God know, forbid and, they and die. I think that's part of, part of that problem. Yeah, and if they die, it's it's even worse. Wisconsin is uh, is sue happy. In fact, uh, uh, we're in court right now. The Republicans are in court right now, trying to overturn uh, Governor Evers' uh, edict to keep Wisconsin closed until the end of May. So we'll see how all of that uh, works out. We'll keep uh, all, all people have to remember: politicians out there that are making very tough decisions is that we're losing, on average, right now across the country, based on the past five weeks. 31,000 jobs per hour, Mike. 31,000 jobs per hour being lost. That's... We can't keep that up. Right. Hey, thank you very much for keeping track of the statistics. I would love to uh, talk with you again. Uh, Job Creators Network CEO and President Alfredo Ortiz, it is a pleasure, even though sometimes it's bad news, it's a pleasure to speak with you. Let's do it again. Uh, absolutely. And be safe, other Mike. Thank you so much. On the Crosstalk on WIZM, we got to go.
As I see it, I'm Scott Robert Shaw. One role of our elected public officials is to serve the people they represent and to help keep them safe. Never is that more true than during a public health emergency. Yet Wisconsin's top Republican state lawmakers have resorted to filing a lawsuit trying to undo Governor Tony Evers' extension of his safer-at-home order. They've petitioned the state Supreme Court to issue a ruling they hope would allow for the reopening of businesses in the state well before May 26th, when the current order is set to expire. We all wish we could go to bars and restaurants again, but wishing doesn't make it so. Even if we relax the rules immediately, that doesn't mean everything is over. In fact, no doubt the virus would spread even faster. Governor Evers has a plan for reopening the state, too, just not as quickly as some want. It requires a 14-day decline in statewide case numbers before we can even move into Phase 1 of recovery. It would require another 14-day decline in the numbers before we can move to Phase 2, which is when bars and restaurants would be allowed to open on a limited basis, with fewer people at tables and the tables farther apart. That plan makes sense and largely mirrors the federal government guidelines. It aims to protect public health and preserve lives, and that is what should remain our priority for now. I'm Scott Robert Shaw on WISM. Lacrosse is source for news and information. WISM is WIZM. Lacrosse, News Talk 1410 AM, 92.3 FM. When you think roofing, think first, first American I'm Dallas from First American Roofing and Siding up in Holman, Wisconsin. We are a licensed Wisconsin and Minnesota contractor. We are still repairing and replacing roofs. If you've signed up to have your roof replaced with us, you're on our schedule and we'll be there shortly. Since we are all social distancing ourselves at home and with our families, right now is a great time to think about taking care of your home. Our staff's been working from home. A lot of the stuff that we can do is is done remotely. We can measure your roof. We can go over design elements. The Falls Lacrosse Police Department is not stopping people to see if they've got valid business that they're going to or coming from. Period. Uh, thanks for the conversation. Hey. Goodbye. <laughs> that, Period. That's pretty but, much uh, it. I, I realize that it, it seems like I don't have a whole lot to say about it, but period, yes, that's correct. We are not stopping people um, to just see if they have got a legitimate reason to be out traveling. Um, we do not do that. Um, unequivocally false. All right, so and to try and keep your staff healthy, I know you rotate hey. uh, management teams around so that some people are at home, some people are in the office, uh, and uh, are, are you keeping teams in cars on patrol, or are they uh, patrolling individually? Um, right now, our officers are patrolling individually. Okay. Um, we've got them on a, an emergency rotation group schedule to ensure that uh, we have got adequate uh, personnel in the event we do have a work group that gets exposed to COVID. Um, and they obviously, uh, for traffic enforcement and, and stuff like that, um, they're encouraged to stop violations that are vital to the safety of the community. Um, and so when it comes to just randomly stopping people to see where they're going, absolutely not. We've, we've, that's not something that we do. All right. So you're not randomly stopping anybody. Uh, there is uh, maybe a question about that if you stop someone who's going 55 miles an hour on Losey Boulevard. Oh, you know, where are you going so fast? Uh, but every uh, th- thing, unless it's changed, it's been a really long time, Captain Melby, since I was pulled over by a police officer. But as I recall, the first thing that officer asked me was uh, at license and, and, uh, and uh, in, in, uh, insurance. insurance, license and insurance. Do you know why I pulled you over? Uh, and that's sure, when I start uh, to cry. A lot of times 
the, the first couple questions is driver's license, um, proof of insurance, and then as the driver's retrieving that, the officer usually just doesn't sit there in silence. A lot of times they simply ask additional questions like, do you know why I stopped you? Uh, where are you going today? Um, this is just general rapport that our officers engage in when they uh, initiate a traffic stop while people are pulling out their driver's license or pulling out their uh, proof of insurance. I would think that that has as much to do with proving to the, uh, the driver that you're not a robot that you're a regular person with a regular life and you're just trying to keep everybody safe and I pulled you over because because you were speeding, because you have a taillight out, you know, you were bobbing and weaving, have you been drinking, uh, you know, whatever else follows the reason we're pulled over. Well, exactly, and a lot of times when our officers initiate a traffic stop, some of it is just putting the driver at ease and part of that oh, is sure. just that general conversation to uh, make them comfortable um, because for the most part, Believe it or not, we do understand that a lot of people that we stop for traffic violations, this is one of the only law enforcement contacts that they have. Um, and there's no reason for us to come out and be overly um, accusational. We just want to conduct our business, um, get on with our day, and let you get on with your day, but uh, still take care of uh, the traffic infraction that we stopped you for. Right. Well, and I think people may misunderstand that in some cases. People don't become police officers so that they can harass other people. That may be the case with some, but, uh, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? I want to be a cop. I want to carry a gun, and I want to pull a lot of people over and harass them. That's what I want to do. Well, and, you know, there's a, the, most of the people that, if you ask a lot of our people uh, why they got into law enforcement, most of them are going to say is to help our community. This is the community I love. Um, I wanted to make things better. Um, and uh, so that's the vast majority of our staff, um, and, and uh, the the reasons for traffic stops, more often than not, is just the general safety of our community and to ensure that uh, there isn't anything dangerous going on out there. All right, we're going to be out of time in a second, but I'd love you to say it again. Uh, are lacrosse police or any other law enforcement officers that you're aware of, are they randomly pulling people over to check for papers to ensure that the person behind the wheel is an essential worker on their way to or from some essential job? I can speak on the lacrosse police department's behalf, and I can tell you unequivocally not, absolutely positively, we are not stopping people randomly just to see if they've got legitimate business that they're out for. Captain Jason Melby, thank you very much for talking with us this morning. As I mentioned earlier, I have to now politely hang up on you because, you know, that's how it goes. We are social distancing and I'm in the studio all by myself.